What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast, brought to you by discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall. Today, we are listening through the last track session given to us by Lionshare at our most recent forum. Dave Buring is talking about our rights and relinquishing those rights on behalf of the gospel. We love to proclaim them whenever we feel someone has a fringe upon them, but God calls us to servanthood, and that means surrendering a lot of things we have a right to. Are you willing to lay down your rights to be more available to God to serve others? It's a big ask, but it's something that God asks us all. Let's take a look at the life of Jesus together and learn how we can do this to be more effective in advancing the kingdom. Here we go. How many of you, this is your first forum you've been at, Discipleship Forum? Nice. Very good. So let me just, I'm curious, what have been, like, if you were to go home tonight and journal, and say, okay, here are my, I'm making up a number, two, three, four big takeaways from the couple of days. Like, what would be some of your takeaways, regardless of what class you were in or the main session? Yeah. I feel totally inadequate. Really? Yeah, I feel like I'm the bottom run of Discipleship. Yeah. Maybe a couple feet under. Why is that? Second the first step. <laughs> it's just kind of the reality of where you are. Yeah, the, the lack of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, join the club. Yeah, right. Join the club. Me too. Yeah, it's always a first step of kind of realizing where you are to get to where you need to, to go. Like I always tease and I'll say, you know, like if we're saying, hey, let's go to San Diego. You can't go till you know where you are. Yeah. Right? Because you got to know, okay, so from where we are here, we got to go a little west and a little south. Yeah. All right? But you got to know where you are before you can really begin. So you're in a good place. Yeah. So yeah. what I love from it is you can't disciple anybody until you fully understand the character of God. Mm. And once you, once you grasp that, then mm. everything else hopefully fall in place, mm. but, you know, understanding and believing that God's character doesn't change through whatever event happens. Yeah. His character is still, you know, the truth. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, and, you're not, and I would probably go as far as saying you can't start, but it's like, like I'm still growing in that. It's right. like seeing, you know, aspects of God's character, you read about his mercy and then you, you, you know how it is, you've read that verse a hundred times, so to speak, and all of a sudden, why is it the hundred and first time you're going, why did I not see this yeah. before, right? And God, because it's a different part of, but, but you guys, you get it, right, that some of you have been in here uh, the last day, I guess, now, and some of you haven't, but we've talked about how um, the image of God that you carry around inside of you affects how you live your daily life. Yeah. And if, if like for me, a starting point with people's oftentimes is their view of God, because like, if you don't realize how much he loves you, like I'm a grandfather, I'm Papa. And when I hear my grandkids say, Papa, there's something inside of me. Imagine how infinity times more God feels that experiences that. He's not a blob that things bounce off, bounce off him like the ceiling. He, like when you pause to worship and you say, Father, I love you. Do you realize that goes in? Like, and you understand, right, that when we read the book of Revelation chapters four and five, and it's talking about this scene in worship in heaven, right? 
You understand that's going on now, right? Like, like, like they're constantly bowing down. Can you imagine just a day in heaven where they're strolling, and all of a sudden God reveals, for whatever reason, more of his attributes or character on something, and they all pause and they all go, it is on. Yeah, thank you. And they all go, holy, holy, holy moly, right? Because he's revealing more of himself. It was, it's not naughty angels that, okay, you guys have screwed up enough with you over in the corner, and for the rest of eternity, you have to say this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is it. That's it. They're not doing that. They're doing that because they're constantly going, oh my gosh, look at that. Like, it's in real time. They're experiencing God and his character. Like, like we've got to allow the Lord to get that into our lives so that people see God's character in us. Because that's who they touch, is you and me. But what I've learned is unless you begin to really look at God's character and begin to let that, so to speak, get on you, we, we just stay as kind of a knowledge God is merciful, God is just, is just God is kind. And, and instead of the reality of experiencing that, where you can say, I've experienced God's faithfulness. Yeah. And then as you begin to chew on it, like I realize I never go to bed at night worrying I'm 63 and a half. I've never worried once going to bed if the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. I've never been anxious about it. I wonder tomorrow morning. Why? Because he's proven his faithfulness so much that you don't even think about it anymore. But we can take that for granted. It's the same thing of the sleep, uh, when you go to sleep at night and you go into sleep mode. You know, it's like, I wonder if I'm ever going to come out of this sleep. We fall asleep and we wake up. And, and it's like it's his faithfulness. And And... It's taking attributes of God's character and chewing on them. And for those of you that are new with us in this session, um, we have an app. If you go to your app store, it's free. And you type in Lion Share Leadership Group. In there, you will find 365 two-minute daily video devotions on the character of God. So if you went through them in a year, you'd hit 101 attributes three to four days each. The idea is renewing your mind from Scripture about what God says about himself. Because we oftentimes can get in this place where we have these weird images of God. And ever since you were born, the enemy of your soul has been trying to distort and disfigure God's character in your heart and mind. And now it can be, as we get older, it can get locked. Well, no, that's just how God... And it's like he's wanting to say, no, that's not who I am. Like, talk about feeling misrepresented. All right? And, and so, yeah, the priority... Like one of the priorities in our lives has to be getting to know God for who he really is. Not knowing about him, knowing him. That's part of the journey. That's part of being in the word where you can see God's character on display. Okay? So it, it's an important piece in our discipleship. All right? So let me, let me show you what we want to do in this session. So... Last night, I started, I wanted to bookend our sessions. We did a thing on discipling children uh, late morning, early afternoon, and, and then we did a session early this morning on vocational disciple making. But I wanted to bookend it with two topics that we use here in our discipleship journey resource that I find oftentimes we don't get to in discipleship. Last night was on spiritual warfare. And talking with a number of people that were there last night, I just said, I had no idea. Yeah. Like, like, because we, we are either in extremes. I was teasing last night this stream of, you know, it's Keith Green's old song, Nobody Believes in Me Anymore, that we never mentioned anything. Or on this other side, when the file cabinet drawer doesn't open, we're binding the devil and you should just get the paper out of the way, right? And so, so we can get on either extremes, but somewhere in here is the biblical balance. 
It's real. It's true. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so do you learn how to say, no, in Jesus' name, it ain't happening. See, that's stuff we have to learn to live. So last night we talked about what does that look like, that Jesus lives in you and how the enemy shudders because of it. This session is another one that I run into a lot with people, and it's, it's the, it kind of deals with our entitlements. It, it deals with things where we are expecting that's a right that I deserve. And as I begin to go through this as a, in my early 20s, I, I, it had a dawning on me that the only right I deserve is to spend an eternity away from God in a place called hell. Mm-hmm. Period. So everything else. So when I wake up in the morning and my wife is laying there and still breathing and alive, all that should come from me is gratefulness. Yep. It's gratefulness because everything that comes to me then, if it's not a right, it's God's kindness and grace to me, so I receive it with gratitude. Instead of, no man, I'm owed that. All right, so let me, let me just kind of take you on a little journey here through some of this. And, and I'll tell you what I normally do, and we will not have time for this today, but, but for application, you can do this. Normally when I teach this, and I'm going to buzz through this much quicker, but normally when I teach it, I have about an hour and a half to two hours, and we take a break and all that. But at the end, what I'll do is I'll say, okay, let's make this an altar. We'll m- maybe move the front rows of chairs, so to speak, and make this an altar. And what I have people do is take their notebook and tear out a page. And I don't know if we'll get all dozen. You'll see them, but I don't know if we'll get to talk about them all today. But which of these rights do you need to relinquish to Jesus? It's a lordship moment. And so usually, you know, they'll come up, and, and I'll say, do them one at a time. So relinquish your rights to my friends. Relinquishing rights to my reputation. Relinquishing the rights that I have to have X amount in the bank account before I decide to serve Jesus. You know, whatever it may be. So just know we're not going to get to that today. I don't have a band lined up to help us worship and get in there, all right? But, but you, can, you can exercise this in your hearts as you go home today, all right? So, Lord, would you be with us as we just take a little journey on this place where we live in a country, in a culture where rights are so important to us? And, Lord, we, we just would ask that as kingdom people, you'd help us see this from your perspective. So, Lord, we just would ask for your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, here's the question that I like to ask when it comes to this. Are you really free to follow Jesus in obedience? Or are you stuck? Is there a place where you find yourself getting stuck? All right? Philippians 2 says this. Have this mind the way you think, among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, all right, hung on to. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven on earth and under the earth, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. We only do things that we see Jesus already doing. Jesus laid down his rights. Like, think about that with me for a moment. You know, we, when you celebrate Christmas and you think of Mary and Joseph holding baby Jesus, and if Joseph has got his head right here and he has to scratch his nose, Jesus' head is like, help me, Joseph, help me, Father, Right? He, he, he came helpless, dependent. He relinquished all of that. So the one that said, let there be light, 
and there was light, which, by the way, is before the sun and moon were created. That same one that spoke that into existence now can't even hold his own head up. He relinquished it so that he was free to obey his father. All right? So let's just, so, so again, Jesus isn't asking us to do something he hasn't done. John 5.19, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. This speaks to me of how's my prayer life of trying to follow what God's doing. But see, if you're stuck in certain rights that you think you have, we never get along in following Jesus, where he's asking us to go. And they, they become stumbling blocks to us. Relinquishing one's right for clarification does not mean a lack of caring or taking responsibility for the people and things that are in your lives. The purpose of surrendering rights is not to become irresponsible. It's about having an attitude that's free to follow Jesus in obedience. It's living a palms up versus grasping life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes. We used to have, when we were missionaries with Youth of the Mission, something called the Night of Giving. And we were all missionaries. And there was like a couple hundred of us on the youth of the mission base. We'd all come down, we'd worship, and then we'd just pray and say, Lord, is there anything that you would want us to give to somebody else? It was awesome. Like Cheryl, my wife, was pregnant, and one of the ladies who had four children came down and gave her her rocking chair and said, I, I want you to have this. And then you saw God do amazing things like this guy. You know, we're all missionaries who are trusting the Lord for finances, for outreach. And you have this one guy that has... He needs $1,500. He's got 1000 He needs 500 more. And as he's praying, the Lord says to him, I want you to take that $1,000 and I want you to give it to them. And so out of obedience, he gets up and with joy, hey, I want you to have, and that guy goes, that's the exact amount I needed for my outreach. How did you know? I didn't, but God said to, and so now that they both encountered the Lord. Then this guy goes back and sits down and somebody comes to him and says, hey, just so you know, the Lord told me to give you $1,500. He says, that's exactly, I just gave, and all of a sudden, yeah. God is moving. And guys, it's an amazing thing. When you relinquish rights and it's not yours, you're just kind of the steward that it passes by you. But while it's in your hand, you steward it well. You just don't grasp. Are you tracking with me? Because a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of times we're just we're hanging on. So this is learning how to live a palms up life. So let me let me show you some of the areas, and this is not an exhaustive list. All right, but um, some of the areas and how Jesus, all these things now are attached to Jesus. He had to relinquish the right to family. Like when I left on a missions trip when I was 18 years old, I had to relinquish the right to be with my family. More so my mom and dad had to relinquish the right to be with their son. To let me go do what I felt like the Lord was showing me to go do. It's, but otherwise we can just be hanging on like this to our kids and, and not relinquishing them back to God. All right, look at Jesus. Matthew 12, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He wasn't dissing his mom and his family. He was just saying there's something even higher, and that's the kingdom and the family of God. But he had to relinquish that too. We remember on the cross, John, behold your mom. Mom, behold your son. And so there's a relinquishing that happens. And, and there's times that, you guys, we can hold on so tight. Why? Because we love. Like Cheryl and I had to walk this through with some tears. 
So my son comes to me um, in uh, July to Cheryl and I and said, hey, we think we're supposed to go to Panama for five months. So we have an eight-year-old grandson and a five-year-old granddaughter, and then my son is 39, his wife's 38. And I look at Ryan and go, like, what do you say? And he said, Dad, when I was eight, Baron's age, our, our grandson's age, he said, you took me to Russia. You exposed me to something different. And when Malia, our daughter, was eight, you took her to Mexico. I think it's time that Baron and Baylor experience a different, different culture. So they left in January. They go back in June. We just were down there about a month ago visiting them. But it was hard because ever since they were born, they've grown up with us. And it's like, well, Ryan, you and Kendall can go, but leave the grandkids here. No, <laughs> right? So, but it, we had to relinquish the right. And so we did that in our hearts. God, we just relinquished that right. And would you do something in, the, in Baron and Baylor's lives? And so it was awesome for me when I'm trying to give a tip to the lady down there, and I'm not quite sure how to say it, and Baron fills in the gap and explains to her this is the tip. I go, oh, he's learning a little Espanol, all right? And who, who knows what the Lord might want to do in his life, right? So sometimes it's, it's it, but when you hang on like that, it goes nowhere. It's learning to relinquish, okay, God, you do what you want to do. Does that make sense? Jesus had to do that too. Here's another one, relinquishing rights to friends. Remember, all these things we're talking about are good. It's just how much control of your life do they have? Is he the Lord of that area of your life? All right, Jesus in Gethsemane, and they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him. This is probably John Mark with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. That was probably quite a scene. All right. But, but here's the thing. His friends left and fled. At the moment, he needs them the most. All right. And, and there are friends that we have in our lives. Do you realize there are some friends in our life that are life-giving? Some friends that you accomplish good things with, and there are some fr- friends in your life that tear you down. And there's times that, not just those friends, but there's certain friends, like, like, would you be willing to go be obedient to the Lord if he's telling you to move to a different city, or would you say, I can't do that because I can't leave my friends? Mm-hmm. See, remember, this whole thing is about, are you free to follow Jesus? Uh, it's relinquishing and say, God, you are above all. Like, you, you understand, right? Remember in the Bible when... When Jesus says, um, you know, come follow me. And he says, uh, I, I need to bury my father and then I'll come follow you. And then Jesus, Mm-mm. here's what I think. I think if we had let that story play out and the guy says, okay, I'm not going to go bury my dad. I, I'm going to follow you. I think Jesus said, okay, I'm going to meet you in about three weeks. Go tend your family. Yep. Yep. It was just making sure the priorities were right. All right. So we've got to look at some of these things. How about this? Finances and possessions. This is, this is something we can have a right to. I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as my car's looking good. I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as there's enough in the bank. Matthew 8, Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes, birds of the earth have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In our American culture, I don't think we realize how much stuff ties itself to us. If you don't relinquish rights here and realize, okay, you've given me this X, whatever it is, to steward for you and your kingdom. I'm a steward of it. I don't really own it. I'm a steward of it. Then when God asks us to use it to bless someone or to even give it away, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) 
It's an attitude of, again, it's either you're either grasping or it's palms up. Right? And there's times the Lord may say to you, I want you to give that thing to this or to this person or this place. And it's, it's, we are stewards. We are not the owners of. We are stewards. Everything he has given. It is not by the work of your hands. It's by the work of your hands that he's given you. We've got to remember that. He is still the source. So this one can cut, cut pretty deep at times because it's like we don't realize how tied we are to my jewelry, my car, my whatever the case may be. All right? Getting a little quiet in here. All right. <laughs> Popularity and reputation. This is, can be a big one in light of our social media world that we're living in. Look at Jesus. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. So, I mean, they're basically saying that Jesus is really, yeah, the devil. <laughs> and, and, you guys, we have to realize that there are times that we have to be willing to, should we have good reputations? Yes, the Bible talks about that. But there's times you have to lay down your right to it because God's asking you to do something and you've got, you can't care what other people think. Amen. So, so this is the difference between walking in the fear of the Lord, which is reverencing and referencing God, or walking in the fear of man. Is what's more important to you, what God thinks or what man thinks? That's what this comes down to. And, and there's times that, like, when I get up to preach a message that I know is going to be hard for some people to hear, I have to walk into that pulpit in the fear of the Lord. I have to. Otherwise, I'm not honoring the Lord. And I never try to step on toes and offend, but sometimes, as you know, truth just has its way of doing that, right? And I happen to be the one that was sharing it. But I can't back off. Otherwise, I'm walking in the fear of man. The fear of man is it's more important to you what people will think about you than what God thinks. The good news is we can repent for the fear of man. What does it finish this one for me? The fear of man brings a snare. It's like walking around with a bear trap. Oh man, let's hail ratio. Yeah, maybe not so much. But that's what it's like. The fear of man. And we have to root that thing out of our lives to walk in the fear of the Lord. Okay? How about this one? Just number five, maybe? Time. Wow, relinquishing the rights to time. Dave, you're digging a little too close now. Yeah, we're getting warmed up, all right? <laughs> so, But I want you to think about this. There's times that the Lord will ask us to relinquish our rights to time. God is not a slave driver, okay? And God is not a... God is not somebody that uh, tries to drive you into the ground. Like, being a workaholic is not born of the Spirit of God. There's another message I've done at these conferences before. I'm sure you can find it somewhere on discipleship.org called The Pacing of Jesus and How Jesus Paced His Life. Because Jesus was never in a hurry, but he was always on time. And we've got to learn how to pace our lives in a way that, that we're not running around like chickens with our heads cut off. All right? So relinquishing the rights to time. Like, is, Let me just ask it this way. Is there anything the Lord has asked you to do that you've declined, but you know it's Lord because of your time. I don't want to give my time to that Lord. Might it be an early morning prayer with him? Might it be being in the word with him? Might it be a certain person he's asked you to go over and serve? And 
your time, relinquishing your rights to time. I remember one time I was, I was actually shared this message. Let me give you this verse here first. Matthew 14, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. This is Jesus. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them, healed the sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them food. So the feeding of the 5,000, right? But the beginning part of this is he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Did you see Jesus is kind of going like this, and there's Peter's boat. He just gets in it and gets out there in a desolate place by himself. One of the things that... um, is important is is recognizing, you know, where we're grasping onto our time. So I'm I'm preaching this. Cheryl's with me up in Rochester, New York, and we're at a retreat. And I just got done kind of preaching this. They're up at the altar doing business with God, and I went to sat sit down. And usually when you do this, I just say, "Okay, Lord, what about me?" And I remember it was that time that night. He said, "If you give me your time," and I had been, but he said, "If you give me your time, I will always make sure that you have time to do the things that are important to you." which is like things like family and grandkids and all that. And God's been faithful to do that. There are times I miss certain things. and I'm going, oh, I'm preaching in Pennsylvania and Barron's got a baseball game. No, I don't. You know, inside's like, Lord. And yet then the Lord provides, you know, last year. So Ryan, my son, Barron, my grandson, I can go up to Minnesota. We take in a Twins game on a Saturday. We go to the Vikings game on Sunday. We just go have a ball. It's like, told you. I'll give you the time for things that are fun for you, but relinquish the right to it and follow me. Okay? Where, where are you maybe hanging on to some time? How about this one? Food, shelter, sleep, and comfort. <laughs> You're aware, right, that God cares more about developing your character than he does taking care of your comforts. Should we just close in prayer on that one? But we've got things like, like what if, what has God been saying to you about fasting? You know, the Bible doesn't say if you fast, it says when you fast. Like, how's your fasting life? You know, our fasting life doesn't, you know, it's not a performing thing for God. He doesn't love you anymore because you fast. But there is something spiritually that happens. I, I don't always be able to figure out, but it does. Like, how are you going to go on a missions trip if it's like, my room's got to be like the best room at the Hilton? Or it just doesn't happen. No, it isn't happening. But see, if you don't relinquish your rights to that, you can't go into another... Like, if you don't relinquish the rights to some... like like. I have the privilege of going with, with some people into a uh, location in Asia in November where 300,000 Muslims have come to Jesus. And they said, they said we need help with discipleship. It's a, it's a country I've never been to, two different countries I'm going to, they've never been to. You're going into a Muslim area, so that's always a few question marks around that, right? But it's like it's obedience. Shell and I prayed, the Lord showed us how I was to go, so we go. But I have to relinquish my rights then. To comfort, to the kind of shelter I may or may not have, the kinds of food I may or may not be able to eat, right? So Jesus, when Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Like Jesus relinquished his rights to these things so he could step into this. 
Like, is there is there any right that you're hanging on to that would hinder your obedience? Remember, this is all about, is it hindering your obedience to what God's asking you to do? Okay? How about this one? Position, influence, career, gifts, and ministry. Look at Jesus. Jesus is not a county quality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and becoming obedient. Man, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just was going to go back to this one. So you can see it. Like, you guys, this has to do with like positions. Like, like I run into people that will, God is asking them to leave something to go to this, but they refuse to let go of their title. Why? Because they've let the title become part of their identity. <clears throat> that's not your identity. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High. That's your identity. It's just a role. Okay? Places of influence. Your career. Like, has God called you? Like, I watched my mom and dad leave what they were doing to be obedient to go be missionaries for a while. I watched that as, like, a young guy. And I admired how they God showed them, and they left it. They sold the house and the car and this, and they, they went. And so I, I had that model to me. You know, relinquishing our right to gifts and ministry. Like sometimes we can get in a church role, and all of a sudden we can lock down. What if God wanted you to be in that role for two years, then he wanted to move you on to something else because he's growing you, but you just, now your identity is, well, I'm the women's leader. And you just, you know, you're not going to pry me out of this role till I go to heaven, you know? And what if Jesus say, no, I intended that to be a two-year thing and then to move you over here because I, I got something better for you. But see, we're like this. It's grasping. So that's where when you go into roles, you want to say, Lord, I just... My first day at work, I just want you to know, I turn this over to you. I'll be here and do it faithfully. I'll steward what you have in my hand as long as you have it here. See, that's what it looks like. Okay? Gifts in ministry, too. You guys, just this is the subtlety of our hearts. There's a phrase I like a lot. It goes like this. Your reactions are windows to your heart. I want you to think about that with me. The Bible talks about as a man's face reflects the man, or as water reflects the man, so a man's heart reflects what's really there. Your reactions are windows to your heart. It's one of the ways that God shows you what's really in there. Because on the outside, you could be, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on the inside, you're like, what's in here is the real you. It's not out here. And what God's trying to do is make it consistent that what's inside here and what's outside is the same. That's called integrity. Your life is integrated. So some of you are probably having reactions since we started this. <laughs> Pay attention. Your reactions are windows to your heart. It's showing you what is really there. It's like, what is really, really there? So watch your reaction. So when somebody you're driving and somebody drives in front of you and cuts you off, do you show them a certain finger showing you that you're their number one? You know? They're number one. <laughs> you know? And it, it's like, like, what is that? Like, or the sports, the athletic field brings that stuff out too. I used to play uh, football with a bunch of guys, and, and I, I just, at the end of the game, you know, there's about 20 of us that were playing, and we'd sweated for two hours and played hard, and, all, and this is in my 20s. And there was always one guy on our team, John. And I had to always build this in because at the end, I would always say, hey, does anybody, just before we close in prayer, anybody want to say anything? And John would step up. 
you could bank on it. Hey guys, I just want to say I'm sorry. I got a little hot under the collar there during the competition. Jesus, forgive me, guys. Would you please forgive? Yeah, John, we forgive you. Let's close in prayer. You know, because it's the sports brought it out. Of and he was like, he was at people's throats, like John. This is not the Super Bowl. But it, but the reaction of his heart came out, and he was a wise enough man to own it. And, you know, it was like, okay, John, you've owned it now for 15 games. Can we get to a transformation on this? <laughs> All right. Nationality and denomination. Oh, man. It is a big one. Like I'm saying, these are getting a little more pointed, aren't they? So it's like, so, you know, we didn't choose what nationality we are. God did. And we got to always remember, you guys, that in heaven... It says there's going to be people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That is going to be a glorious day. I am looking forward to hearing my friends, the Samoans, coming into you know the parade of heaven. So living in, in um, Hawaii, we have a lot of Polynesian friends. Have you ever heard a Samoan laugh? Here's their laugh. Sounds like this. So imagine a gaggle of Hawaiians laughing. So Cheryl and I go to bed one night, and we we're on the second floor at the YWAM base, and below us was a room of Samoans. And so we're going to bed at like 10 or 10.30, and the Samoans are, <laughs> all of them. And it's like, oh, my gosh. So the next morning, Yeru is upstairs on the second deck, just kind of on the walkway there, the other balcony over here in, in our room here. And he comes walking by and say, Yeru, gosh, Cheryl and I were trying to sleep us, and all I heard was, <laughs> he picks me up, and he holds me over the balcony, and looks oh. at me and goes, <laughs> <laughs> Samoans can do that to you, right? Wow. And so, so I, but I look forward to hearing them being paraded before God, celebrating Jesus in the unique cultural way they do, just like you'll have Africans doing that. Mm-hmm. And in Honduran, you can have people from the nations doing this. And it's, and it's going to be a glorious thing. But one of the things that we have to do is, and I just want you to hear this, that you have to realize our kingdom nationality always trumps everything. Yeah. Always. And that doesn't in any way lessen the nationality that God has made you. But we got to get over this thing of when you get all right. hot under the collar and you say, well, I'm Italian and I can talk that way. Ah, uh, no. Hey, don't be picking on me. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we, can, we can attribute certain things to our heritage and excuse sin. Good. Should we close in prayer on this one? Right? But but we can we can do that. We can blame our nationality and say, well, it's because of my nationality I'm kind of bent towards that sin. Sorry about it, but that's the way it goes. No, that's not. Okay. And the same thing with our denomination. Like like I love the body of Christ. The way I look at the body of Christ is like in my city of Nashville. It's like the body of Christ, like this beautiful stew that some are meat, some are celery, some are potatoes, some are the broth, some are, you know, the different things. We shouldn't be competing. We should realize we're all called to own different parts of the city for yes, the kingdom. Right. Yeah. But instead we get competitive. And then, and then there could be, well, our denomination does greater missions trips where our denomination is greater filled with the spirit where our <laughs> denomination, we pray more than y'all, you know, and it's like, what is that? <laughs> You guys, we have to realize it's like we can, we can be entitled in, in these things. Look at Jesus. 
John 4, the woman at the well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaritan? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Like Jesus relinquished his rights of what people were going to think. Right? He relinquished his rights to his nationality as a Jew because the father wanted him to enter into a relationship. I don't know if you guys have seen this scene in The Chosen, <laughs> but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Where Jesus just ministers to this woman in the end. She says, I'm going to go tell everybody. He says, yeah, I was kind of hoping you'd do that. Right? It's a powerful scene. I think it's the very last one of season one. You know, But, but it's one of the things that we have to realize is we can get caught here. And, and we have to always realize that above everything else, we got to get up here and say, okay, I'm first a follower of Jesus. I'm first a citizen of his kingdom. And that's where it starts. And there is red and yellow, black and white in his kingdom. And he delights in it. Like one of the things we have to realize is God delights in his creation, how he made us. I like to tease, you know, and say, if we didn't, if God didn't create Mexicans, we would not be enjoying guacamole. <laughs> I mean, I mean, with with cultures come sounds, dress, food, and and it's like what can happen is the subtlety of our own pride. We get insecure because that's not like me. That's pride. Rather than walking humility and going taking a step back, going, God made all of this. Like I like Chinese food, right? I like Italian food, right? And we have to realize, we just can go, well, I'm going to go to this restaurant and have this. But we have to realize it is all rooted in, a, in people that That's God right. created differently, right. that he allowed to bring these things forth that we enjoy today. See? But if we get caught in this, we can, we can miss out. How about this one? Freedom. Relinquishing our rights to freedom. I have some friends of mine. I, I had 11 trips in and out of Russia from 1991 to 95, but I have some friends in the 70s who went into Russia. I learned the story later. They had already accomplished this, but it was they went into Russia at a time, um, you know, when the, the Soviet Union was in domination, communism, all that, and the Lord, they were in a prayer time, and they said, Lord, where do you want us to go? And the Lord very clearly over time showed them, I want you to go to Russia. Where? Moscow. Okay. And he said, what do you want us to do? Who do you want us to minister to? And he said, I want you to minister to the KGB, the secret police of Russia. <coughs> and he said, Lord, how do you want us to do that? He said, you're going to have to get arrested. Oh, oh my goodness. Talk about a little, I wonder if that was the enemy or if that was God speaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Testing that one out a little bit. So, so they, they, I mean, literally, Lord, I mean, you could imagine that moment where God met them. Lord, I relinqu- we relinquish our rights to freedom. We want to be obedient to what you're asking. So they go to Russia, and this is where they had a little fun with it. They said, okay, how could we get arrested? So, so, so in Red Square, I don't know if it, you wave at me if you've seen this before, but it, it's no longer there now. But but uh, when we would take people over before we do outreach, we'd do a, a, like two days of touring just so they could see the city, pray for the city. And we'd always go into Lenin's tomb, wow. you know, the founder like of communism. And they had a little tomb there that you would, it was, it was about this big, and you would uh, walk down steps like to another level, and you'd take right, and then right here in front of you, was a glass casket with Lenin's body with kind of a 
his head in it, but you could tell they had used a little bit of wax, but it had air pumped into it to try to keep his... Right. I mean, it was something to see. Something, yeah. yeah, and so you go like this, and you would just walk around it like this, and walk around this side, and then you go up and out. So they had that. So what these guys decide to do is they made a banner that said Jesus is alive and they not inside but outside of it, they held it up. Well, they had instant fellowship with the KGB. (laughs) And, And they brought them in, interrogated them, tried to divide them, but they couldn't divide them. And they kept just being loving towards them and towards each other, speaking Jesus to them. And at the very end, they just they they didn't know what to do with them. So they finally said, just get out of here. And they had all these tracks in Russian. And he said, well, what do you want us to do? He said, we don't care. Just leave. They didn't know how to handle that. And so they went into Red Square and passed out the tracks to all the Russians. (laughs) So they didn't only administer the KGB, but they got friends present the gospel in Red Square. And yes, they made it home safe and sound. (laughs) I have another story of a a, a woman by the name of Rayona Jolie. Her name was Rayona Peterson at the time. And God spoke to her to go to Albania. And Albania at the time was a closed nation. This is also in the 70s. It was a closed nation. You weren't supposed to go there. The name of her book is Tomorrow You Die. Because that, I mean, if you were caught preaching the gospel in Albania, you you died. So she's preaching. She gets arrested. She's in prison. She believes that tomorrow she's going to die because that's what they told her when they left her for the night. And so she knows that, you know, this is, this is like in the seven. So there's no like, Hey, let me text. There's nothing. So she's trusting the Lord that he's having people pray. So the next morning, they come to get her. And so she's fully expecting to be brought out into the yard and, you know, hanged or executed in some way. She, was, she had prepared her heart all night, sleepless night, but had her heart prepared. God, I'm ready to go. She ends up, they put her in a car. She's a little surprised about, and the car begins to drive. And, it, and she notices where they are. They're heading for the border. And when they get to the border patrol where they're doing you know, passport and visas, the car goes like this and gets here and drives right past it and across the border. And she's going like, what in the world? And it crossed, you know, in Europe, the nations are closer and crosses another border. And the driver says nothing until he pulls up, stops, gets out, opens her back door, lets her out, gives her money and says, you will catch the bus there and then leaves. Oh my goodness. She believes God sent an angel to deliver her. Is that not something? But can I just say this? If you never relinquish your rights to this, she would have never experienced it. I don't know in our land, if we are living here, I don't know when, when, if we'll ever have to deal with this. But when you go to other nations, that's one of the things you have to say, God, I just relinquish my rights to this because I don't know. All right. Jesus, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he, he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Jesus knows what it means to relinquish his rights to freedom. Okay? How about this one? Now you're meddling, Dave. (laughs) Relinquishing our rights to our opinions. Can I just be honest with you and tell you this is one I can still wrestle with? And it might look something like this. Cheryl and I, on Friday nights, if we're just home, is kind of a date night for us. 
And I can come home and I sometimes forget to take my leader hat off. When I have my leader hat on, I like to know options. It's like, okay, so just kind of give me what are the options here? Because I have smart people on my team and I want to like, what do you guys think? Give me options. And then I'm able to pray about it, talk with them about it, and we come to a decision. Well, sometimes I have forgotten to take that hat off. Here comes Cheryl. And so, so, on a, so on a Friday night, I might come home and I'll say, so, hon, what do you want to do? And she might say, what if we just go to the mall and walk around and go out to eat? And I don't, haven't taken my leader hat off. And I'll say, yeah, we could do that. We could go to watch the high school football game or we could go to a movie. And I start giving other options. And she will look at me and she said, why can't we just do what I'm asking? And I will say, you know, that's a great idea. We're going to go do that. My choice. Yeah, yeah. But, but here's the reality. The reality is I have to relinquish my rights to my opinions. Why? Does it mean Cheryl doesn't care about those? Of course she does. I know she loves me. But in that moment, why did I not just be quiet and say, okay, let's go do that? And in that case, I knew I'd forgotten to take my leader hat off and put my husband hat on. Right? But there's times like we have to relinquish our rights to our opinions. There's nowhere in the Bible that it says whenever you have opinion, freely share it. <laughs> you know, Hezekiah 95.3. It's just not there. And we have to learn that just because you have an opinion doesn't always mean you're supposed to share it. Now, our emerging generation of 20s and 30s are having a hard time sometimes with this with social media because we can just air it out. Until we realize that our boss is looking at our social media account, we're wondering why we've lost our job, right? And, and the reality is, is, is the Bible talks about sometimes it's wise to be quiet. Sometimes it's wise to hold those thoughts. And this is why I'm very grateful for the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, to try to listen to him. Okay, Lord, where do you want me to go with this? So sometimes I fail at that. Because we all have opinions. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said on all these, there's nothing wrong with it. We're not talking about sin here. We're just talking about, okay, God, I just think I'm going to have an open palm with this thing. Okay? Jesus with opinions. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. When he certainly could have said, yes, I am the son of God. Mm-hmm. And, and he didn't. Okay? So there's times of relinquishing rights to our opinion. This is one we often don't think about, but it's relinquishing our rights to hurt, disappointment, and unforgiveness. Wow. And here's what I mean by that. Wow. First, we have to deal with that, right? We have to forgive. I don't say ignoring it. I'm yeah. just saying we've got to deal with it. But then once you've dealt with it, we can like to hang on to the victim role. Wow. And we need to learn to relinquish our rights and say, okay, God, I've come to you for forgiveness. I've asked you for forgiveness. I've forgiven them. I've asked you to touch my heart where I was wounded there. But if we keep hanging on to that thing, it's just not good. He wants you to be free to follow him. All right? Let's look at this. Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He had to deal with the same thing. All right? So this is, this is, a, this is a pretty big issue to address in our lives. Let me give you one more. Future. We're a culture that can often game plan our future. And there's times you have to relinquish that to the Lord and say, okay, God, this is what I'm thinking, but I turn it back over to you because you might have a different plan. Because again, I teased yesterday, and you know, Proverbs 3 says, trust the Lord with half your heart and lean on your own understanding. <laughs> right? 
Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Okay? And so there's a, there's a handing it over. God, I, I hand over it. When I went to youth with a mission when I was 18 years old, I was planning to go for five months to a discipleship training school. Then I was accepted to the University of Minnesota. I was going to go into journalism, to television broadcasting. I ended up in YWAM seven years. I never did that. And I, had to, I remember the day I was 18 years old and I relinquished my rights to that. I remember the day I relinquished my rights to being married. That's another one under family. Like if you're single, here's a, here's a way to understand this. If you don't relinquish your rights to things, they drive you. If you don't relinquish your rights to being married if you're single, it will drive you. Everybody of the opposite sex, you see, oh, I wonder if they're the one. Hey, it's just lay that thing down. And I, and I remember the night, that, and I did these on the same night, relinquishing the rights to my future and what I was going to do as a career and being married. I was 18 years old, and I laid them down there in Kona, Hawaii, and said, Lord, okay, if you never have me be married, I lay that down. If I never go into the television, I lay that down. And one of the two, I never, I never went into. The other, fortunately, God brought Cheryl into my life. Okay, But when you lay the right down, you're not driven by it anymore. Okay? Jesus with the future, think about this. Luke 22, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Like, do you understand Jesus' immediate future when he's in Gethsemane? Yes, he's 100% God, but yes, he's 100% man. You know, his favorite title for himself was Son of Man. Do you understand the realities that Jesus here in Gethsemane, as he's going to go to the cross, knowing what's happening, he had to trust the Father to raise him. He had to trust that the Father was going to raise him, because it had never happened like this before. So that's why I'm saying all these rights that Jesus is asking us to deal with, he's been through them. Now there's others we can look at, like when I'm speaking to missionary bases, we've got people from around the world they come up and sometimes they'll say, hey, can you guys tell me like what other things? And like my European friends, you know, will say intellectualism. That I'm being led by the figuring it out of my mind first. And I gotta lay that down because sometimes God just goes right to here. Okay. So I mean this is just a this is a dozen that I see as, as common. Here's some cues revealing unrelinquished rights. Like how do I know I haven't relinquished a right? Oftentimes these are the reactions. One is anger. Like there, you, you find yourself reacting in anger. That often can reveal that you haven't relinquished a right. And if it grows, it can grow into bitterness. Another one can be self-pity. Oh, poor me. They got to go. I didn't. And we get Eeyore-ish. Okay, another one is, is control. Like, see, this whole thing of relinquishing rights smacks right up against control. Because I want to control this. I got to have it this way. Otherwise, I get insecure and I get... And that's where God's saying, would you just let me handle that? And so when there's this desire to control or even manipulate the situation, you've got to realize you might be stepping into something where God's saying, there's a right here you're bumping into. Okay, so there's just little cues. Whatever rights you don't relinquish to God will subtly drive you. That's one of the things that's another way you can kind of recognize what's there. So what's walking healthy look like? Okay, we'll close with this one. What's walking healthy look like? First, it's living palms up. It's not grasping. It's living palms up. Okay, God, I'm going to live palms up here. 
All right. I'm not going to grasp onto things. I'm going to whatever you put into my hand. I'm going to steward. You've given me a beautiful wife named Cheryl. I'm going to steward my marriage well. Okay. I'm going to steward that. And there may come a day like Cheryl and I tease each other in fun, like which one is us going to heaven first? You know, we kind of have to joke that we'll wink when the first one goes, "See, I beat you." You know, we kid about that. But it's like I'm going to have to potentially one day, or Cheryl potentially one day, relinquish our right to being with each other because we're gone. When I travel, I have to relinquish the rights to being home, to being with Cheryl, to go to Barron's baseball game, Cheryl being with me. It's, it's living a palms-up life. Secondly, it's abounding in thankfulness for what you have. It's just, God, I'm so grateful. Like, you, you know, the Bible in Romans um, talks about Romans chapter 1, that um, the first step to a darkened heart is ungratefulness. And it's cultivating gratitude for everything that we have. Okay? And a third thing here is it's, again, it's stewarding areas of obedience. Whatever the Lord has asked you to, to steward, you're going to steward that well. That's like what living healthy looks like versus trying to hang on to our rights. And there's a big, fat, trusting God in this process, isn't it? Okay? So let me, um, again, usually I'll take a little more time and share illustrations more than this, and, and we'll open up for a ministry time, get a worship team up here and let people come up and at the altar lay it down, all right? All these are listed here in Discipleship Journey, and the whole teaching is kind of in there under the uh, chapter on a call to discipleship. Um, what what questions do you have on this? Because um, this is one of those topics, I think, as a cultural topic in the body of Christ we have to address because of all the rights we think that we have. And as a follower of Jesus, again, it's like, I don't really have any rights. I relinquished all those. I just, I want to be free to follow him. Okay. Questions? I got one. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've already did most of this, relinquished. But at the Bridge Church and at Howard's Church, they pass two different ways. And, and so I'm not quite sure which one to put. If I put them both together, I mean... Because it's totally different. I yeah. mean, Howard's wife literally will go four days without eating anything. Yeah. I'm like, man, I can't do that. She said, <laughs> after the first day, you're fine. And then Mark will say fasting is you can fast from TV. You can fast from yep. social media. It doesn't have to be food. And I'm like, which one is it? <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Um, again, fasting doesn't make God love us anymore, but there is a spiritual dynamic of some breakthrough. Like Cheryl and I may fast and pray when we feel like we need a breakthrough in something. Do you do, you do that with food? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and it has to do with maybe the discomfort, doesn't it? It depend. It's the dependence. The dependence. It's the dependence on God. But for example, uh, my brother, others that I know uh, have diabetes. They cannot fast food. It'll just throw them completely right. out. But, but they will do something like that and say, hey, uh, uh, this next week I'm choosing not to watch any ball games on TV. Uh, okay. Any sports. That's, that's, that's their fast. Yeah, because it, it, it's like it's the hard attitude, right? Like the Bible always talks about it primarily with fasting. Right. Food. But it's like the reality of it is, is sometimes there's just other things that you say, here's the key, though, Ed. It's laying that thing aside to pray because when you read the Bible it's fasting and prayer right so it's okay I'm laying that thing aside so that during that time I can use that to pray okay yeah well that thank you yeah yeah you're welcome good good anything else 
Question one is yes, ma'am. So I guess for me, I'm learning and maturing. I would say maturing because when God required me to relinquish something, I'd be done. Like I'm serious. Like I will leave a job. No, I will leave a job. I will. I will be like done. We we done. So I need help in balancing that because I'll be like deuces because I don't want to mess up because I. (laughs) So when you said it, I was like, oh okay, I need to. Work on that, cause I'd be like, me and Lord, we out. <laughs> yeah. So I want you on that list. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. Lot on that list. Yeah. Exactly. And, I was like, and these I dozen are kind of I use these because these are often very familiar to us, mm-hmm. and so you know, don't be surprised if you look in this list and go, yeah, there's nine or ten that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I need to talk to Jesus about. All right. Mm-hmm. But it's um, like it's following the Lord in the journey, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, okay, God. You don't have to like do something rash. It's just more. It's an. It starts with an attitude, right? And it's like, okay, God, I relinquish my rights to this. I just put it in your hands, and just know you're tested on it. I'm not saying by God necessarily, but you get tested. Are you going to pick that thing up? It's respect. Yeah. Like like uh, one of the biggest ones I ever had in my life was. um, Let me just think of the year here. It was 1987, and I was in Estes Park, Colorado. I was helping my dad pastor a church in northern Minnesota. When you drive through the town nearest, it would say, Welcome to Euclid, Minnesota, the home of 180 friendly people. And it was way up in the boonies in northern Minnesota. And I'm I'm at this conference with 10 or 12 other men um, who love each other and are missions-oriented and all this. And and that morning, I got up to have my quiet time before our gathering. So it was like 6.30 in the morning, and they had this cute little chapel that was about a third of the size of this room, but on the outside, it looked like this beautiful, ornate chapel. But you could just go in and have your quiet time. So I'm the only one in there. And that morning, as I'm just talking to the Lord, I felt like the Lord was saying, Dave, are you willing to stay in Minnesota for the rest of your life and pastor the people I bring you? And it was a real wrestle for me. And after, you know, 20 minutes, a half hour of just wrestling and thinking of that, you know, that peace of the Lord came. I just said, Lord, yes, I am absolutely willing. So you guys, I got up out of there to go into the, have the breakfast and the meetings feeling like, okay, I think the Lord's just shown me like the next 30, 40 years of my life is I'm staying in northern Minnesota and I'm pastoring. So. We have our meetings, then we have lunch, and the leader of the organization, a friend named Steve, says, hey, can we take a walk? And so we go for a walk, and he says, hey, I need you to pray about something. I said, what's that? And he said, would you pray about being the um, national director for U.S. and Canada for our organization? And now I'm just going, like, why didn't you ask me this six hours ago before I made some commitment to you, right? <laughs> but, but later I realized the Lord was saying, I wanted to see where your heart was. Yeah. If you were willing to follow me into something that maybe wouldn't be your first choice. Right. I got home. I shared it with Cheryl and we, and I told Steve, I said, I told him what had happened that morning and he was, he was chuckling. He said, Oh yeah, I get it. So he said, just pray. I said, I will. And so Cheryl and I spent a month or two praying and the Lord said, no, I want you to go take this role. So we moved to San Jose and did this role. But, it, but I remember the, I mean, it was real. It was like this, it was right here. It was right. that real. When I got out of that that day, I thought, okay, this is the deal. This is the deal. And I had accepted it. I had the peace of God. But it, but I realized God was saying, I wanted to see where your heart was. So it's so you guys, I had to I had to relinquish my rights to the other dreams I had in that little chapel that morning to get there. And had the and I want you to know I was committed to do that. I had made that commitment. There was no turning back. 
And that's why I was confused when my friend Steve said, well, I've been praying about this. I wanted to run this by you. And I'm just going, that's what I want to do. Because yeah. <laughs> it was mobilizing short-term missions teams to the nations. That's what I wanted to do. And so I, later as I wrestled with it, it was the Lord was just showing me, you know, I, I needed to see where your heart was before I, because it was like the Lord, like I knew I was going to have him ask you that. I just needed to see where your heart was. So sometimes, sometimes the Lord will do that to just test our hearts, to help us see where we are, right? Okay. So I just want to encourage you guys with this as we close. Um, you know, let the Lord search your heart. Let him show you. It's always a wise thing to relinquish rights, just to turn it over again, okay? Last thing I'll say is this. If, you, if some of this teaching that we're doing is profitable for you in your own heart, one of the things that we're doing, I don't know if I have a slide on here or not. Oh, I do. Hi, I'm Dave. Hi, Dave. Um, <laughs> we're going to show that in the session down here next. But um, we're doing something called the Leadership Games um, that we launched this summer. And what it is, is it's a catalyst for 40s to 70s to disciple 20s and 30s spiritually and vocationally. And we're launching this year with business, arts, entertainment, media, the church, government, law, nation security, which would be police, military, et cetera, health and wholeness, counselors, doctors. And there's 29 40s to 70s that have walked for a year now preparing to disciple 20s and 30s. So we're having an event at Lipscomb University in Nashville, July 12 to 16. If you're in your 20s and 30s today, I want you to hear this because I, I, you're here obviously learning about discipleship. You'd be welcome to pray about doing this with us. But those that come to Nashville, the mornings will focus on discipleship themes like this. Then in the afternoons, you're going to be in your vocational teams wrestling in an imaginary city that's called Hebron Hills, 375,000 people that has problems in the city. And we're going to say, leave your politics at the door. How from Jesus' kingdom and his ways do we solve these problems? <coughs> and they're real life problems. The Lord has said, help them rehearse for the real. So we're going to help, help them learn how to think, what's the ways of God on this? Then at night, we're dealing with the fluffy topics of politics, race, and gender identity. All right. But helping them learn not just, okay, what does God's word say about it, but how do you walk in this righteously? All right. It's going to be an incredible gathering. And so if any of you want to have interest in it, just you know, take the QR code there. But, I, but we're looking for 80 to 90, 20s and 30s that want to say, hey, I would love to be decided. Because when the event is done, what will happen is each one of the leaders will take between two and four. 20s and 30s, and we'll disciple them for a year. They'll, they'll walk you through discipleship journey. You'll be able to have opportunities to have a uh, like a godly seasoned person in your life. So when you wrestle with an issue on the job, you can call them and say, what's the ways of God on this? Help me sort it. All right? And so I just want to invite you that if you know 20s and 30s, that you go, God, they'd be all over that. Well, what are we looking for? People committed to Jesus who sense for right now their call to that particular vocation, which may change. And they're willing to say, I want to be discipled. So if you have people like that, see Laura or a wave. Laura's got the green jacket on. You can see Laura and tell her about it. And if you're in your 40s to 70s and you say, Dave, I'd like to be a part of a team that does that, see Laura. All right, we're just launching literally three weeks ago. George leads our business team. We're just launching teams uh, to prepare for the 2024 game. And we've got some spots available for people. If you're in these five vocations or 
if you're called to family, godly husband, dad, godly you know, wife, mom, or education, those are the ones we'll be doing in 24 on top of these five. So it's a way that we're trying to get 40s to 70s to connect with 20s and 30s to disciple them spiritually and vocationally. And of course, the older ones will have much to learn from the younger ones as well, right? So thank you guys for being a part. Bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the episode, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that. That was some awesome stuff from Lionshare and the rest of Dave's team. One thing that stood out to me was he's at the end when he's talking about God testing Dave's heart and then giving him the desires of it. That was just fascinating to hear that story because isn't that how God works? Like, that's the definition of God works in mysterious ways. God cares about what we think, and He also cares about what we want and what we desire, but He cares more about who we are underneath, whether we're surrendered to Him or surrendered to the things that He gives us. All right, y'all, next up, we're going to be listening to Women of Renew. So if you haven't already, please click the subscribe button so you know when I release those new episodes. All right, y'all, enjoy the rest of your day.